what a good day today, amen? Birthdays, anniversaries, and Jesus. Boy, we get to celebrate. Go ahead and turn in the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 4. And if you have your bulletin, I have provided notes for you in there. Today we get to talk about my favorite subject, and that is Jesus, the high priest. I provided in your note a reference, if you would like to go home after this, and if this really piques your interest, to Leviticus 16, whenever the first high priest was ordained in the nation of Israel, and that was Aaron, and you see the instruction of God towards Moses and Aaron concerning something called the Day of Atonement. Now in our Christian culture and Christian calendar, we have lost the significance of that day. But the Day of Atonement in the Hebrew calendar was the holiest day of the whole year. And what we're going to see is that for thousands of years you had a, a man who would one day a year go into the inner room of the temple called the Holy of Holies and present sacrifices before God on one day of the year, what you're going to find is that thousands of years later, God provided a high priest who did once and for all what a man had to do every year. This coming Wednesday marks in the Jewish calendar what they call Yom Kippur. Anyone ever heard Yom Kippur? Do you have Jewish friends? Maybe you heard it on the media or news. Yom Kippur is the modern day day of atonement. Because they no longer have the temple, they can no longer offer sacrifices, they celebrate what's called Yom Kippur. It's every year on the Hebrew calendar, the ninth of Tishri. And that's the day that a priest would go offer sacrifices for the whole congregation of Israel to atone for all the people's sins. I shared last Sunday, as we looked at the book of Lamentations, how significant the temple was. And I've repeated these four things in here. What happened on the Day of Atonement? Out of 365 days, God said one day... The priest should enter in the veil. So you had the holiest day of the year. Out of all the nations in the world, you have Israel, God's chosen people. You have his holiest people. You also have out of the holiest places being Israel, Jerusalem, and the holiest place in Jerusalem being the temple. So you've got the holiest day with the holiest people, into the holiest place, the temple, and then you have the holiest person. Out of God's chosen people, you have 12 tribes. Out of those 12 tribes, you have the Levites, which were the holiest tribe. Out of the Levites, you have the priests, which were the holiest of the people. And out of the priests, you have one high priest. The high priest would have been the holiest person in the world. All those things come together on the Day of Atonement as the holiest people, has the holiest person coming into the holiest place on the holiest day. That's the significance of the Day of Atonement and of Yom Kippur. You're like, Pastor, why you keep talking about Judaism and Hebrew? Aren't we Christians? 
Yes. But do you know that the cross has Jewish roots? That the reason Jesus came was from the chosen seed of Israel. So everything about Israel is our story. And what we're going to find, if you've turned to Hebrews chapter 4, is it tells us, he's writing to the Jewish who, who are, are becoming converted to believing in the Messiah, and he's showing them why. And here's what he says in the scriptures in Hebrews 4, verse 14. He says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. May God bless the reading of his word. You see the pages in my Bible are falling apart. But the words are still together. Ooh, that'll preach. See? I kept telling myself I need to get a new Bible because the binding was coming undone. And God says you don't look at the Bible, you look at the words. They still speak. We're looking at a high priest that we have. You see, maybe, I imagine most of us were not born Jews. Most of us were not from the nation of Israel. Most of us did not celebrate Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. They had a high priest, but you're saying, I'm just a guy or a gal in North Carolina, regular Joe that likes to watch football on Sunday. You have a high priest. That's what I want you to walk away today knowing that you have a high priest that interceded for you. The first things we see in your notes is this. We have a high priest who defeated. What did he defeat? He defeated sin once and for all. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament had to go into the veil once a year and do it every year to the atone for the sins of the people. And I would imagine if there was an ever a year where the high priest couldn't go in for some reason, the sins would not have been atoned for. The people would have walked around in, in utter knowledge that if they died, condemnation would be upon them instantly because there would have been no atonement. The priest had to go every year. The high priest in the Old Testament remained ceremonially clean. But our high priest, Jesus, check this out, our high priest became unclean so that we could be presented before God. See, the high priest in the Old Testament had to be clean every day. Every day, washing. Every day, wearing the holy garments. Every day, standing in the temple. He would have been the holiest, the cleanest person there would be. But our high priest didn't present himself to God in cleanliness. He presented himself as sin to atone for the people. He became the sacrifice. He defeated sin once and for all. Also, he defeated death. He killed what killed him. The high priest in the Old Testament met face to face with God. 
In Sunday school, we studied this background in Leviticus. And it said, he told Aaron, God told Aaron that I will appear in the smoke that's on the altar of the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest met face to face with God, but Jesus met face to face with death. You see, Jesus is the only one who's looked death in the face and came back to talk about it. He defeated it. Defeated sin, defeated death, and thirdly, he defeated hell. That's good preaching, preacher. (laughs) He defeated the biggest consequence and wrath of mankind. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Yes, it's okay. You see, hell no longer has authority over you. The grave which was once your master, the grave which once said, at any moment I could take you and you'll no longer have joy, life. Hell no longer has authority over you because you're no longer a child of the devil, you're a child of the king. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest was the only one who could pass pass through the veil into the Holy of Holies. But our high priest Jesus didn't pass through the veil. No, he passed into the heavenlies. You see, it says in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed all the way into the heavens. He's in the presence of God Almighty now. Matter of fact, get this around your head. He is the holy of holies. The holy of holies came down here. For you and for me. We have a high priest who defeated. Your second point is we have a high priest who completed. He finished. He ended. He sat down at the right hand of God because his work was finished. Hebrews 4.15 says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our weakness. But was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. See we have a high priest who can empathize. What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? You see if you tell me your, your, your dog died. I sympathize with that. I feel sorry. But see three weeks ago I had my goldfish die. It's not funny. I had this goldfish for three years, and it was a monster. I mean, literally, a goldfish from Walmart started 67-cent goldfish. He was 10 inches long. I called him Shamu. (laughs) Shamu the goldfish, and he passed away. And Bella said, Daddy, why is he sleeping? That was a hard story to explain. But see, if you tell me your goldfish died, I can empathize because I've experienced the same thing. Sympathy is a feeling. Empathy is experiencing the feeling. You see, Jesus doesn't just feel sorry for your condition. He came and experienced your condition. It says in the scripture, he was tested in every way you are. Have you ever struggled with lust? Jesus was tempted with lust. Have you ever been tempted with pride? Jesus was tempted with pride. But the key is, he succeeded. And he didn't fail. You see, Jesus did what you and I could not do. The high priest in the Old Testament would never have been subjected to the temptations of normal life, like ordinary people. He would have constantly been at the temple, constantly in a state of cleanliness. You know what? The high priest wouldn't have been at the malls where they've got life-size posters of the Victoria's Secrets models. 
The high priest wouldn't have had to deal with that, but you and I have to deal with that. The high priest wouldn't have been at the ball games seeing parents get angry at the referees. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to pray for me. Because when Bella starts playing soccer competitively, I might not be able to go. That's why I can't watch football. Honestly. I get too aggravated. I just don't watch it. It's going to be a tough time. The high priest wouldn't know that. But Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. Our high priest was different. He became like you and me. You see, in the Old Testament on the Day of the Atonement, the priest would take off his priestly garment. He would take off the golden breastplate and set it aside. He would take off the turban with the golden band and set it aside. He would take off the most beautiful robe you would have ever seen that was embroidered with purple and blue and scarlet and gold. He would take all that off and set it aside. And God instructed the high priest to wear a simple white undergarment. You see, the high priest spent every day of the year looking like a king. But when he came into the presence of God, he set off his earthly garments and he put on the garment of humility. Mm. You see, the high priest who spent every day of his life dressing better than the king became a commoner on the day of atonement. Now let me ask you a question. Are you catching the parallel for a second? Do you see that there was a high king who wore a crown like no other? Do you see that he wore a robe more beautiful than the rainbow? And his breastplate wasn't made of gold. It was made of righteousness. And he set these garments aside. So he didn't set them aside for a day. He set them aside for 33 years and put on the garment of flesh to come be with his people. See, the priest did that one day a year. Jesus did it for 33 years. He set aside his garments of royalty and put on the robe of flesh. He can sanctify because of that. See, our high priest, Jesus, didn't minister with instruments of gold. No, he didn't offer incense and burnt offerings before the Lord. He had two instruments, Brother Enoch. He had wood and three nails. And with that, he atoned for eternity for what priests had to do every year. It had to be done again and again in the Old Testament, but the atonement for Christ was offered once and for all. Truly, Jesus can sanctify. And also, he can justify. You see, the only person that can make me without sin is the one that never sinned. He knows how to do it because he was the only one that did it. The latter part of verse 15 points out that he was tempted in every way, but he never never sinned. You see, he won the race. He did what Adam could not do. He did what you and I could not do. And let me tell you something, friend. You won't get to heaven without him. You see, Israel was required to have a high priest. It wasn't God's suggestion. It wasn't God's question. It was a command. God doesn't say you might get to heaven without Jesus. He says you won't get to heaven without Jesus. You see these bumper stickers on the car that say coexist. And they've got all the different religions in pictures. Everybody seen them coexist? You see they said everyone can get along. Let me tell you friend. The truth cannot exist with a lie. 
And there can only be one truth. There can only be one way. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. If there's another way, then tell me, how did Jesus lie? That's the question I have. But you say, well, preacher, I know that. I know that Jesus loved me and died for me. Then let me ask you a question. Why are you still trusting in your own works to earn God's favor? You're still trying to earn God's favor. You're still looking at yourself each day as the quality of your Christianity instead of looking at Christ. You see, on the Day of Atonement, all of Israel would have watched the high priest make his way to the temple knowing that the high priest was going to atone. And here's the thing. They would tie a rope around the high priest's leg because if the high priest went into the presence of God and wasn't clean, he would die instantly. And he would have tassels and bells on his garment. And if they heard the bells stop shaking, ching, ching, they would pull the high priest out because he died immediately. See, all of Israel had been watching and trusting and hoping to God that the atonement would have been made. See, they wouldn't have been trusting in themselves for the atonement. They would have been focused on the high priest. And in the same way, you and I must focus on Jesus as our high priest. He was the only one qualified, and Jesus is the only one qualified for you. Stop putting trust in yourself and put your trust in Christ today. Thirdly, we have a high priest who interceded. We have a high priest who interceded. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's three things that we can act upon based upon this scripture. First of all, because we can come with boldness, we're able to come quickly. There's no need for delay, like I told the children. You see, a week before the Day of Atonement in the Hebrew calendar, what's now called Yom Kippur, the Jews celebrated Rosh Hashanah. You probably heard that too. That's the Jewish New Year. And the Jews believe that on Rosh Hashanah, God decides the fate of your next year based upon how you lived the previous year. That makes complete sense, seeing how Judaism is a system of works. But let's say even if you didn't live right, your hope was that you still had a few days until the Day of Atonement to make things right. Because the Talmud, which is the Jewish prayer book, it says that the Day of Atonement makes repentance for those who make repentance. So, Miss Betty, I can pick on you because I know you're the sweetest lady on God's green earth. Let's say you lived like waging war for this whole past year. But you know Yom Kippur's coming up, Day of Atonement. So you're going to spend a week before Rosh Hashanah making amends, making repentance. And what you hope is that because you've made repentance, that the Day of Atonement will make repentance for you. And you won't know if it does or not until the Day of Atonement get there. And you're going to see how the next year falls to see if atonement was actually made. You had that, that weight, that guilt upon you. Do you ever hear people speak of a clean slate on December 31st or January 1st? You know where that comes back? It, it dates to Yom Kippur. Where people believe that because of the Day of Atonement, a clean slate was made. That's where that comes from in our society But here's the great news, my friend. You don't have to wait till Rosh Hashanah. You don't have to wait till Yom Kippur. You don't have to wait till December 31st. You don't have to wait till 2013 for your slate to be made clean today. You can come quickly to the throne of grace based upon our high priest. 
Jesus wiped your transgression away 2,000 years ago. No longer do you have to walk around in guilt feeling sorry for yourself and feeling like God is mad at you. But the problem is most Christians still live like Jews. Most Christians still live trying to make themselves feel clean instead of enjoying the righteousness that comes from Christ. You can't achieve clean. You can only receive clean. That's a good word right there. See, if I write something down, it means you should be too. You can't achieve clean. You can only receive clean. And we are able to come boldly. That boldness represents confidence, freedom, openness. Have you ever gotten in an argument with someone and then for the next three weeks you didn't really want to talk with that person because you knew that they were mad at you? Of course you have. It's called marriage. (laughs) But seriously, if people let their guilt affect their earthly relationships, how much more so do we let guilt affect our heavenly relationship? Is it true? Some people go for weeks without talking to a person. How much longer do you go without talking to God? Because you feel like God is mad at you. You're walking around with guilt based on something that you've done, and you're not going into the presence of God, into the throne room of prayer, because you feel like God is mad. You're living under the old covenant, friend. Listen. The gospel for us, for God's people, the gospel doesn't say you are dirty. See, the gospel says, I was dirty. (laughs) I don't have to live under condemnation no more. I live under the righteousness of Christ, which leads me into a life of holiness. How do I know this? Because if you understand this today, if you understand that you were dirty, then the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. And if the Holy Spirit has revealed it, then you are a child of God. That's what I can stand on confidently today. If you don't understand it, you're not a child of God. You're still a child of wrath, living according to works, hoping that your goodness will get you into heaven. You see, how many of you like taking a shower? And if the person beside you, hand wasn't raised, sit on a new pew next Sunday. (laughs) I love showers. I can't function a day without taking a shower in the morning. Matter of fact, Someone once told Billy Sunday that revivals weren't good because they wear off. Billy said, well, so do showers, but they're good, for you. they're good for you every now and then. You see, the thing about a shower is, I might feel clean today, but tomorrow morning, I need another one. I need to be made clean again. But let me tell you about the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is a 24-7 shower on your soul. The righteousness of Christ is a constant cleanliness. You don't mess up on Friday and then come back on Sunday so you can feel clean again. When you mess up on Friday, you say, you know what? I'm righteous through Christ and I can do better than this. You wake up Saturday morning and says, I don't have to wait till the word the preacher's going to give me because God's already given me his holy word and I'm going to find some righteousness today from the scripture. You see, there's been religious systems in history that's told you you have to come before somebody with some special collar to get some kind of cleanliness going over you. But friend, the one that's going to make you clean never wore a collar. He just wore a crown of thorns and he wore a cross, and you could come straight to him for cleanliness. 
You see, this is why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And lastly, we are able to come repeatedly. The high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, only one time a year. Can you imagine as the high priest only having a personal encounter with God once every 365 days? But you know that Matthew 27, 51 says that when Christ died, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And through the blood of Jesus, you now have immediate access into the presence of the Spirit of God. You don't have to wait till Yom Kippur to get into the presence. Why, if you want to, you can get into the Spirit of God two days a year. Matter of fact, praise God, maybe you can get into the Spirit of God three days a year, friend. And if it tickles your fancy, maybe you can get into the presence of God once every week. My, my, my. But maybe, just maybe, you say, I want to get into the presence of God every day. I want to continually walk under the anointing of the Spirit of the living God, knowing that one man doesn't make atonement, but righteousness has come through Christ Jesus, and I'm continuously made clean by the blood of the Lamb. Can we thank God today, church? Yes! We have a high priest. Whenever your Christian life looks dim, stop looking at yourself and look at the high priest. Look at the atonement that was made. Look at him at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding on behalf of you, his child. But maybe, maybe there's someone today that's never been able to come boldly before the throne of grace because you've never had the authority based on the blood of Jesus to do so. I want to ask you to do something today. If the word of God has spoken to your heart, if the spirit of God has shown you that the presence of Jesus is available to you as a child of God through the blood of Jesus today. And that is something that you said, Pastor, I need to jump in with everything I've got today. I'm going to turn from that lifestyle of sin and I'm going to turn to Jesus, my high priest. That's your only choice. That's your only hope today. If you and I were to die tomorrow without the blood of Jesus sprinkled over our heart, there is no hope for us. I want to give you an opportunity to do so. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed? Whoever you are sitting in that pew, God has ordained that you would be here today. God has ordained this message. God has ordained you being here and your heart and your ears being open so that you could hear the gospel of the grace of God which calls you from a lifestyle of sin into a lifestyle of holiness. Is there any reason to not trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior today?